there was always some sort of trade. Yeah. We'll feed you after you listen to me preach at you for an hour yes. and tell you that not only are you homeless and on the street, but when you die on the street, you're gonna go to a burn in hell after that. Sucks to be you, bro. Like you can't get fed until you hear me lecture you. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome my friend Abel Perry to the podcast. Abel is a career pugilist and a passionate enthusiast of black history and the history of the black church in America. After deconstructing his 30 plus years of experience in American Christianity, he now champions conversations that highlight the difference in deconstructing from the black Christian church in America as opposed to its white counterpart. In these conversations, he targets the difference in their theology, their culture, and the way history regards them. Abel is known on social media as Poetic Deconstruction. Also this week, I found a new way to connect through the podcast. So if you listen on Spotify, there's a Q&A section in the show notes. I would love to hear how you'd respond to these three questions. What were the first cracks for you in your deconstruction journey? What do you think when you hear the word Christian? And what does faith mean to you? If you would like to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. And you can find a consistent conversation happening over on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Abel Perry. I spun my wheels so long on yeah. trying to dissect um, the theology of Christianity. Yeah. And I spun my wheels until... I got a working understanding of imperialism mm. and by, by diving more into that, the Christ, a lot of the aspects of Christianity and understanding why this happened this way and this way, it's kind of working itself out. At this point. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit easier to dismantle once you get that. Absolutely. What, what kicked it off for you? Like what was, I mean, I, it's a hard question, right? Cause who knows what things start to unravel. But like, mm -hmm. is there, are there particular moments that stick out to you? They're like, oh, this, this kind of hurts. I don't know how I'm going to be able to sort of reconcile this belief with what I've learned. Yeah, man. Um, gosh, uh, I was for most of my life, man, I was the, the traditional, um, stereotypical, maybe it's a better way to say it. Mm. Um, evangelical church goer. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, I was a musician since I was six years old in church. You know, I've been, I've been the music director at churches. I've been the worship pastor <laughs> or the minister of music at other churches. And love those titles. Love I, I hate those. I hate I know, I know. <laughs> But, um, so it's like, for me, I, I was very much aligned with the way of thinking and, and I started to see aspects of my life and things that I was being faced with outside of the church mm. um, that that didn't line up 
with this freedom in Jesus that I yeah. was supposed to be living and experiencing yep. in my day-to-day life as it's preached from these pulpits of privilege. Oof. You know what I mean? And um, so- which, which actually brings up a question for me. Mm-hmm. Did you, were your churches multi-ethnic, multiracial, or were they, was it more of a black church experience? What, what did you have? Man, so for me, um, I started, I was raised in Anchorage, Alaska, of all places. That's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I was raised in Alaska and I, my parents, like my mom um, specifically is like church of God in Christ gotcha. um, royalty, almost like her involvement in that church through the years and our family's involvement and some of the mm. things that I've been privy to because of my family's involvement and specifically my mom's um, activity within the music, the church music community, that black church music community. Um, I was just always around certain things and, you know, if nothing else, the music was always lit. Oh yeah. Music was always (laughs) lit, but um, man, I, uh, I went to a church of God in Christ growing up. And then in high school, I went to an assembly of God high school. And then understanding the correlation between the church of God and Christ and the assembly of God blew my mind. Yeah. Do you mind? Can you just share that real quick? So like for the, yeah, yeah. I'll tell the story. Um, I was going to an assembly of God high school, which was, there was an assembly of God just half mile down the road from my church in Anchorage, Alaska. Hmm. And, um, our churches did a lot of stuff together. And at the time I'm going to this school and Sunday morning services at my church were much more formal. Sunday mm. evening services were loose and anyone could grab the mic and it's yeah. not really structured. You might get out of there at 10, 11 o'clock. And yep. just <laughs> it is. But randomly the pastor of this assembly of God church shows up at our church at a Sunday night service and none of us were, were expecting him. And he brought his whole huge ass congregation with him and they were outside of the door. Like, and we're like, okay, what is this? And he's sitting there just doing church, you know, and they ask him if he wants to say anything. And this man (laughs) gets up in Anchorage, Alaska and starts weeping uncontrollably. Like not, not those stage cries, but those, ugly cries where you can't even talk and he apologized to the congregation and the pastor of my church for the history most wow. people don't realize Whoa. yeah and it, it was crazy it, it was one of the most um positive things that i've really experienced in the church setting so most people don't understand this but like and I believe it was, I want to say 1906, there was mm-hmm. that Azusa Street revival. Yep. And everyone was down there. You know, there was this move of the spirit and everyone's speaking in tongues and doing all this stuff. And so they said, yes, this is the new thing. Yeah. But there was no white section and black section. And so mm. they were ordaining black ministers. Black folks were sitting next to you in church. And um a lot of the white churchgoers at that time didn't like the fact that they're rubbing elbows with and being preached to by black folks. Yes. So in 1907 or 1908, they got together just a little bit down the road from me in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mm. And they had this conference and that all the white people that didn't want to do that with the black church, they got together in Hot Springs, Arkansas, 
had a had a meeting and that's where they created the assemblies of god the assemblies of god was created because white folks didn't want to do church with black folks yes hot springs yes, not that, far from you that's wild not, yeah, yeah i'm not sure down the road. i'm not sure how many people are aware of that i w- i want to say something about that experience that you ha- had one of the things that i don't that i think is uh, unique to the church experience or to that particular venue is the opportunity for those moments that I think is missed in when we don't have a, a container for reconciliation, peace, justice in those ways, relationally mm-hmm. church for me in my mind, the reason I start, I decided to plant a church back in like 2015 was because I was like, as much as I'm not sure if I believe the theology anymore, the church is a unique institution that allows for things that nonprofits don't allow for corporations don't allow for. And that moment of weeping and sorrow, that is beautiful. And something that I think is, um, there is still openness for within those faith communities that I think is pretty profound. And, and for me, I guess, um, as I've deconstructed so many aspects of this faith and religion that I grew up in, I've deconstructed to a point where people practicing their faith, even if I disagree with aspects of it, yeah. like I'm supportive of you having the right to practice your faith. If they come tomorrow and say Christianity isn't allowed in the United States, I'm going to be making videos about how wrong that is. And yeah. I'm going to be protesting and I'm going to be in my community touching base about how we need to change this. Yes. The gap for me, and I've said this several times, but the gap for me is like when that beauty and those experiences and my right to do the things that I want to do, when it takes away your right to do the things that you want to do, um, all in the name of God, like <laughs> that that's the gap for me. And I think that um, I've, I've had to understand, especially within the Black community, I've had to kind of rethink and and look and search um, for a place where I could understand and benefit from the beauty and the culture mm. of the church mm. aspects aspects yes of the culture of the church without necessarily diving into the theology of the church yeah absolutely that's the th- well that's also a unique thing to you know, We've had some touched on some conversations in the past on the difference between white deconstruction and, you know, and people who are black and having a black church experience in their deconstruction process. It's a very different thing for a number of reasons. Have you noticed in your travels on social media since like you invested time and energy there, some differences that stick out to you? Man, um, the the differences are coming from all different directions at this point. Yeah. Um, but the biggest difference through this social media experience that I would say is that in the midst of the, the tragedy of others, the oppression of others, the the wronging of others, the the physical harm, the emotional harm, what whatever it is of others. I've seen the black church for the most part take a very different approach towards engaging those situations, understanding, showing empathy um, as opposed to 
a lot of times the white church and evangelical Christianity doubling down on the harm that's being done in the name of God. There's so many differences, but through all of these conversations Mm. that I've been able to have, brother, that's been the biggest difference. Yes. Which makes a lot of sense, right? Because, um, so, and we see it on, that's, I think, probably consistent with what we see on the other side too. The, like once you've deconstructed a little bit that because you're, if you're a white bodied person growing up in the United States, your experience is that of sort of having everything laid out for you, comfort, privilege. You're not typically used to that experience being about justice. Whereas the black church was founded within the waters of oppression. And so you can't really, the, the deconstructing of the theology might look similar, but there's that ethos, right? Of like what it means to be a person living in this country, in this, in this colonized world is a very different approach. So like one of the things that I don't know if you've noticed this, but where I really started to, I think last year when I started to shift my focus on TikTok was man within the sort of white ex evangelical space there wasn't room to talk about justice there was just i don't like right. this theology and it's bullshit okay yeah i got it like we can do that all day but like then what and that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the thing that i was noticing was missing from the content creators who are white ex evangelicals compared to black content creators who are deconstructing their faith Man, I'm going to I'm going to gas you up a little bit right now because you made one of the dopest ass posts that I've ever seen in all my entire life. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm quoting Dave now. Wow. wow. No, bro. Black uh, I'm I'm wait, I'm, I'm going to try to get my calm, swaggy, smooth Dave voice. Wait, here wait, Dave, where's my hat? I mean, ah, you wait. need the hat, man. You... Howdy friend. Howdy friend. Howdy friend. Let's start with that. But you said black Jesus knows what it's like to be lynched and white Jesus knows what it's like to forgive you for lynching black Jesus. Mm. <laughs> so for, so for me, even the theology portion of it is, yeah, is different, you know, that's so it, it's just a different experience. Bro. Yeah. You know where that I, I still, I don't know how you identify. I'd be really curious to hear a couple of, I have a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. First one's going to be, um, what is what comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian? Second thing that comes Ooh. to mind is what does faith mean to you now? But I I say this, I still identify as a person of faith because of James Cone. Um, James Cone wrote the Cross and the Lynching Tree, God of the Oppressed. He is sort of the the Godfather of Black Liberation theology. I learned about him in seminary. I'm so grateful for that because my deconstruction process happened. Um, 17 years ago, rather than, you know, mm-hmm. through the lens of white evangelicalism only. And because I didn't understand the black experience, the, you know, the Jesus that understands what it means to be lynched, that keeps me longing and curious in a way that I'm not sure I would be otherwise. So my right. curiosity is what keeps me sort of not, not Christian, but tethered to f- the word faith. So I'm curious yeah. for you. I'm curious. And so that, that phrase that you just said, I th- is influenced wholly by James Cone's cross in the lynching okay. tree. So I guess I wonder for you, what does it mean? What do you think when you hear the word Christian? And second is um, like, what does faith mean to you now? All right. So Christian, God, that term has 
for me, that term has always been so very synonymous with the belief in something bigger than myself. And yeah. um, it, it almost had a monopoly on in some yeah. regard in my, in my yeah. mind. Um, so for me, the term Christianity is Christian is directly tied to it's directly tied to imperialism to me. Yeah. T- that term. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I'm understanding the history, right. And you're, I'm, I'm not a theologian by any means, but um, the first time the term Christian was used was in Antioch. And it was kind of a derogatory term, yeah. right? Yeah. Like little sure. Christ. It's like, it was, it wasn't a good thing. Yeah. But then, then, the nation who ended up being the first Christian nationalists mm-hmm. came <laughs> literally yep. came around and of all the things yeah. to decide to name this movement, we're going to call this movement the derogatory thing that we called all y'all while we were killing y'all. Yep. Like I I don't understand how that term is a positive thing. Yeah. Yes. So for, for me, Christian, it's it's a very mm as it's applied to me, it's a very negative thing. It feels yes. like taking a punch kind of mm. um, faith. I think is, I think is a beautiful term. Mm. I think faith gets um, faith gets used when you don't have a reason for what you think or mm. why you're doing this or why you're oppressing these people or why your life is governed this way. Yeah. Well, just because God said so. So for me, I, I still have belief in, in something bigger than myself. Mm. Um, and I, I, I deconstructed to the place of being more, I I don't think this term holistically describes me, but being more of an agnostic atheist. Yep. But the deconstruction process for me was just, um, it gave me the freedom to have more questions than mm. Christianity had answers. Yeah, that's so good. That, that's what it did for me. That's good. You know, I have um, I have these curiosities about other faith traditions. Mm-hmm. Most for a while, I was doing interfaith work, and so I got to hang out with some rabbis and Muslim people. And yeah. so the way they talked about faith was so much more about questions than answers. And mm-hmm. because of that certainty thing that you and I were talking about at another point, you know, earlier, yeah, um, yeah, our religion was one of certainty, our faith tradition, the traditions that I became aware of were about questions and curiosity. And I just think that if you're in a position of always being curious, I don't care what you call yourself. Like that to me is a beautiful process. And, Absolutely. But deconstructing from the thing that we had is it, do you, there's no, you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater, for lack of a better word, love phrase. You have to, mm-hmm. or, because it's a, it's the foundation is I have to know this thing, and if I don't know that thing, then what do I have? I had to start over with yeah. it all. Like, man, it's like in our faith, in our past faith um, yeah. of Christianity, yeah, it's it's so normal that I'm a preacher and I'm evangelizing to you, mm-hmm. and I need you to believe that this book is the the undisputable (laughs) word of the living breathing god and it is synonymous with 
the son of the living, breathing God, who is also the living, breathing God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 but, but I need you to believe that. And I need you to accept that this book, it contains the wholeness of your faith. Yeah. But it's not a press for me. I'm not pressing you to really get a holistic understanding of it. You know what I mean? Right. And yes. you, get in cert- you get in certain conversations with um, people that are into Christian apologetics. Yeah. And they're always turning towards, well, if you could understand Hebrew or if you could see this in Greek and and there, there's workarounds for some of that stuff to get mm-hmm. a working understanding of scripture. Yeah. But it's like, if you're preaching this to people who some of them are freaking illiterate, bro, but you're yes. still preaching Jesus Christ via this book and the concepts that are preached from this pulpit. Yeah. Representing this book, representing this person. Yeah. And it's, but they don't have that understanding and understanding is not what I believe Christianity is, is based on, you know, people who followed the way, you know, back in the day, I don't, I think an understanding of this person's life perspective and how it connected with theirs. Yeah. We're going to adopt this life perspective and this is the way that we're following. Yeah, that's, right, that, right. That's, that's that's kind of where I've settled in at, man. But yeah, that's good. That's good. It's an ongoing. It's an ongoing process. Well, it is right. It's not this like, well, I've finally cut out all the things and now I've arrived at this thing. Right now, I'm an agnostic atheist. Right now, who knows? Right, and mm-hmm. not saying like who knows. Like maybe I'll come back to the religion. That ship has <laughs> sailed. That ship has right. sailed. Right. You know, I love I love the idea of of just. Um, the sort of mystical faith traditions that I actually think that Christianity was birthed from. But when you take over a religion the way that Rome did, you can't have all of those beautiful aspects of it. It's gone. And yeah. I just, yeah, I think that it's a shame um, that that stuff gets taken over, but that's the impulse of colonization and, and imperialism. Um, I think f- I'm curious with you, what sort of, and I think I asked it in one way a little bit earlier, but what are some sort of aspects of your deconstruction that were just um, maybe, maybe painful, but like started off this, like you're in church, you're going every week, you're a music minister, worship leader, all this stuff. What's happening? Like, is there some, were there world events was there relational stuff that you just, Oh yeah. If you don't mind sharing, like, is this, what happened? Yeah. I'll, Why did I'll you lose you. your faith? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll share brother. Um, the kind of church that I grew up in, uh, Pentecostal church, yeah. it was this, there was this constant need for something, a tangible show that you, we're in a right place with God. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I do. You're you're speaking in tongues, or you're doing backflips. <laughs> like, like, but this, yo, Sister Johnson got two bad ankles. Why are you trying to do track and field up the center aisle? That is that is not a good business decision, Sister Johnson. You know what I mean? Poor Sister Johnson. But 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 it's a tangible show, and everything was based yeah. on that. So if you if I woke up and I 
made up in my mind that Jesus forgave me of my sins and I'm going to do my best to live a safe life all day long. Um, if I wasn't speaking in tongues or if I wasn't doing certain things or if there wasn't a certain kind of tangible show mm. partnered with the fact that from a pulpit, I'm told for as long as I can remember that I'm inherently an evil, disgusting human being, so disgusting that the God of the world had to kill his son in order for me to be palatable to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that that's a whole different conversation. That's a good one. But for me, but for me, diving into all of this stuff was really about this guy is doing backflips up the aisle and speaking in tongues. And God, in terms of the church that I was in, is literally physically making this guy do all this stuff. God yeah. can make you speak in tongues. He can make you, he can make you um dance. He can make you do, you know, the Pentagon, all the quickening and sure all do. that kind of stuff. Yes. But he can't make you hit the reject button when your mistress is calling. Mm. Trash. Trash. <laughs> trash. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my he, favorite he, part of your videos, by the way, when you say trash. <laughs> <laughs> but like like he he can't make you he can't take over your arm when dude is about to smack his wife yes. or his kid or oh. whatever. It's like it's oh. like there there's always this need for the tangible presence, the tangible representation of the spirit of God mm. when it's time for a show. But it missed me when it was time for that tangible presence and practical application in my life. That's what started it for me That makes way sense. back in the day. That makes so much sense. I grew up Pentecostal too. And I don't oh, know about, shit. I don't know about you, but did you ever have to do the fake? Like, did you have to ha ever have to fake speaking in tongues? Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember I one, practice my tongues. Oh, good. Yeah. You're smart. I remember I was 11. I had these, all these guys with their hands on me. I'm like, man, it's not happening. Nothing's happening. I just got to do it. I guess yeah. I just got to do it or else if, cause if you don't, then you don't get the second baptism. What do you, you're not man. saying. I'll, I'll go one further. Um, deconstructing made me realize the ways that my experience in the church taught me to be a good liar. That is it like, right there. Like just, let's just keep it real. That is like, so um, I'm experiencing this and even aside of the speaking in tongues, I'll get back to that, but aside of speaking in tongues and all that stuff, like I'm struggling today. Yes. I don't feel this. I don't, but it's when you're, and you can attest to this too, I'm sure. But when you're in, in the church, yeah. in a position, that's not necessarily a position where you're there to receive, but you're always in a position where you're pouring out. Yeah. Right. Like they, they preach, fake it till you make it from my pool, from the pulpit in my church. Absolutely. So you think it, it was show business. Like yeah. there, there were spiritual aspects to it, but it was show business, man. That's what it was. It's so true. But, uh, well, as someone who's a music minister, that's, that's right. Everything is how many hours of prep are you doing for that? But that, that's why, that's why gospel musicians are among the best musicians in the world yes. because they have, because they have to be able to create. If you're a music director in a gospel church, not only do you have to be a master of your craft, but you have to be able to dive into and create 
a space where everything create a space musically where everything that is happening in that pulpit musically i need to make you feel like everything that's happening in that pulpit is happening on your head directly good Mm. or bad Mm. that's so so it's show business you know what i mean and people don't talk about that a lot but no yeah bro I love that. But but real quick, the speaking in tongues thing, man, um, it was it was crazy. So like we had these tearing services, you know mm. what I mean? Like you're you're gonna go to the altar and oh. we're not gonna do this and we're gonna be there until the Lord shows up. Yeah, right. Bro, I done fell asleep, I done snored, I done, <laughs> I done all that. And what happened is like you know, you just, you don't believe hard enough. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say it faster. Wow. Say it faster. Say it faster. Say it faster. There it is. It's starting to come. No fool. I'm tongue tied. Like I'm, it's, <laughs> that's not the spirit. That's not the spirit. It's pig Latin, my boy. No, that is not tongues. But that, but anything that brought about something physical was all that was praised. All of it. So, man, that is uh, pretty real. So you had this like, it's like an inner injustice meter, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you can show up when it's time for a party, but you're not there when like someone's dying. You're not there when someone's getting beat. Yeah, that that makes sense. So because you had that sort of inner sort of um, barometer, when you started to notice theological things or things happening in the culture where you just kind of like that lines up, like just one after another. It, it was, it was more than that because like there were things that had happened. It wasn't just about seeing him and knowing that he's sleeping with her yeah. and the organist is sleeping with everybody. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not just about that. But for me, there were things that I had experienced um, abuse, verbal, Mm. physical, sexual abuse Mm. from people in the church that were saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm. People who I have to watch display God's physical hand on them while I had to experience their physical hand on me. Jesus, And that's, that was really when I was like, it wasn't like I just had this, this natural internal meter of injustice. Yeah. It was like, I knew that these things were happening to me. Mm. And I knew that all the people who I'm told that I'm supposed to be like are the people who are perpetuating those things in my life. God. Yeah. Thank you for but sharing that. Man. I, pr- I appreciate it, man. But I, I actually got outside of that. Um, the yeah. church. I I left. I started my boxing career, and I'm traveling mm. all over the world and doing all this stuff. And I settled into Colorado Springs because I was working with U.S. national team, and I opened up a gym there. Got married. Life is just going good. Yeah. And I I'm a musician. I'm I'm looking for a church. And first of all, at the time, I'm I'm looking for a church that gives me that feeling of culture that I feel in the black church. Yes. And at the time in Colorado Springs, I couldn't find a church that I felt that sense of community and culture with. Yeah. So I found a church. It was um, a non-denominational church that used to be an assembly of God that was pacing to be a mega church. Mm. And um, 
predominantly white church. There were there were black people in it. There were Hispanic, Latino families there, and they would always market the church as being multicultural. Well, yeah, the church right. isn't multicultural. The church is multiracial. Exactly. The culture of the church. The culture of the church. If it was any more white, it would be clear. If the culture, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. You know, so um, I did that for a while and participated and you know, playing music and music would always give me an opportunity to, to build community, I guess, or to, yeah. it would give me a place a lot yes. of times. And I'll never forget. Um, I was, I was playing one Sunday and the, the drummer who was playing, he, he couldn't play. And I was like, man, I don't feel like playing drums. I'd rather play keys, but I'll play drums this week. Mm. And um, there was a different, um, the, the worship leader was a different leader this week and, um, you know, big church, they've got the cage drums or mic lights inside of it, you know, cause, cause church is, is a rock concert now with the lights oh, yeah. and the smoke machine and all that stuff, big church. Oh yeah. And, and it was, it was a nice set, man. I, I hit a little groove. It was nice. And, um, <laughs> nice. and the guy who was leading the worships said, Hey, well, I'm, I'm just going to make a, a couple of changes because we don't want our good to be evil spoken of. And instead of the drum set being centered, they put, they before church, 30 minutes before church, move the mics and everything, move the drum set to the back of everything, behind everything, and then turned off the lights. Mind you, I'm monitoring click tracks. I'm doing all that stuff. I've got notes turned off the lights because they don't want their good to be evil spoken of. How does people seeing me make your good be evil spoken of? <laughs> and that that was the first time, not just the preacher coming and saying something about, hey, the history of the church. That was the first time that I felt the, the church's oppression mm. um, racially yeah. on my neck and on my shoulders. Mm. That was the first time I felt it. Wow. Man, well, it's not surprising to hear that about Colorado Springs. I will say. I mean, that's like the, yeah, that's Christian, white Christian oh, central. Focus, focus on the family and all that's mm -hmm. there. Like they do, yeah, yeah. We yeah, any publications that were big in the eighties and nineties came out of Colorado Springs. I feel like, um, yeah. for for white evangelicals, um, and you know, also about megachurches. Megachurches are the most multiracial spaces but they are not multicultural. They are typically very white. Um, Facts. That kind of overt racism um, is something that the church, try, I felt like tried to hide. So when you had that happen, were you, were you on your way out? Were you like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here? Or did oh, you stick around for a little while? I, I stuck around for a while after that um, because I was, there, there was a, something positive that just reeled me into that church I yeah. had. And I'd never heard this before. And it, it didn't come from the head pastor. It came from another person that's just kind of leading this endeavor. We were out at that. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Colorado Springs, but that downtown area, there's, there's a couple big parks down there that are just filled with homeless people down there. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we've done outreaches for homeless we're going to go feed the homeless people in other yeah. churches that i've been a part of but it was all there was always some sort of trade 
yeah. will feed you after you listen to me preach at you for an hour yes. and tell you that not only are you homeless and on the street, but when you die on the street, you're going to go to a burn in hell after that. Sucks to be you, bro. Like you can't get fed until you hear me lecture you. But this, this, for real, this church, um, the guy said, we're going to come out here. No one hit these people with scriptures and this and this and this. Go talk to them. Mm-hmm. He, said, if you, he said, if you can't show them the love of Jesus without talking about it, then you need to rediscover the love of Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Sweet. I can rock with that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So when, so when this thing happened, that overt racism in the church, I was still so enamored with this one person's perspective of yeah. Christianity yeah. Yeah. that I, that I gave grace to other people, including the heads of the church who that wasn't their perspective. Yeah. And so I, I stayed and experienced some more toxicity and um, I, I was in one more church when I moved here to um, Arkansas, to Northwest yeah. Arkansas. And I was the the music director of that church. And it was just more dishonesty, man. I know I'm mm. being long-winded, but... Um, no, you're good. I, uh, I was... I, I had gotten divorced and I I had a, a partner, someone that I was seeing at the time. Yeah. And... I walked into the church like, man, I don't want to play. I don't want to do any of this. I just want to sit and be fed. Like I I don't, I don't have it in me to give to anyone. So I need, I need, yeah, I'm kind of empty. I need to be poured in me. And it was all good and it was great. And then they found out that I was a musician. Yeah, of course. And then they, then they found out that I was a quality musician. Yeah. Yeah. Then, okay. then I'm the music director. And I'm, the worst, <laughs> I'm the worship pastor and all this stuff. I'll yep. never forget it. So I kind of take over this, this worship team and music and all that stuff. And it's growing. Church is growing, all that stuff. But um, I talked to the pastor. I was like, hey, this is my situation. You know, I am shacking up and I'm, mm. I'm doing. I'm doing a great job of shacking up right now. And I'm probably not going to change that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's where I am in my life. And I'm, this is what partnership looks like for me with yeah. this person. And he's like, oh man, that's okay. We appreciate your transparency, this and this. But every time he would introduce me or my partner or say something with other people around about me and my partner, he would always introduce her as my wife. Speak oh. of her, speak of her on their website as my wife. Whoa. And and once once I left that situation in 2014, I've never been back into a church as as seeking any sort of validation or direction from that church. Wow. So you've probably gone back for like weddings or funerals, but never for like a a situation I, I, where you're going trying to worship or anything like that. No, I yeah. went back for community. So it's like I live in Northwest Arkansas. So headquarters of Walmart, headquarters of Tyson, headquarters of JB Hunt. It's oh, it's wow. a little corporate community here. Yeah. A very, very, very conservative white Christian corporate community. Sounds and, like and um I uh 
the relationships that I was building with people, because mind you, I'm here. I came here at the end of my career just because this is where I needed to be to close out my career. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to build community and yeah. standalone relationships with people that are standing outside of my talent or, you know what I mean? Just real community and real standalone relationships with people. Yes. And so many of these people were still connected to a church. Mm. So if, if what you want for your birthday and I love you, you, my guy, I rock with you, what you want for your birthday is for me to come hear the word of God and go to church. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to go as a gesture in that relationship, but yeah. not, and and that's what it was. All the times that I've been back to church, it was more for um, the people who church was still important to. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So you've been out, you've been out for, for a good nine almost, years. Almost a decade, bro. Yeah. I, I've only been deconstructing since just before COVID. Like okay. when I got out, when I got out, it wasn't about I need to know more. I need to understand. When I got out, it was like y'all are fucking crazy. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I don't need any more knowledge. I have all the knowledge I need. I'm not yeah. doing this with y'all. And then it it got to be a thing where the theology of it isn't what grabbed me. The history on the other side of the, the theology is what just started to spark interests and questions and the deconstruction i want to say started in 2019 but i've been in church since 2000 like in a church actively in a church since 2014. wow so you deconstructed when you didn't when it wasn't like required anymore you weren't like mm -hmm. i had the freedom to do it at that point yeah like even though because i in the church, when I'm in the when it's in the church, I saw more things wrong, and I had more questions on a day to day basis, day over day, week over week, month over month, year over year, decade over fucking decade. Yeah, I had more questions because I was experiencing things that provoked questions. Yeah, for me, but I never had the freedom to pursue those questions. Mm. So once I got out of the church, I was like. Well, that's cool, man. I, man, that that why the question I asked you why why does Rome get to be the people that tell Jesus' story when they oh, killed him? I love that. You know person. what I mean? Like, and and it was like I I almost like pushed it out of my mind, like dismissing it, like I had been trained to do. And then I was like, wait a minute, I can I can I can seek this out. No one gets to silence me now. Mm. And that's when the deconstruction started. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.